This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And fall out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Steiskull. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? Not bad. Ryan, you with us? Yeah, I'm in my underwear. I am I am not ashamed to admit. It's a new It's a new stage in my life. It's one of those steps where you realize you're coming closer to your parents. But <laughs> I'm also 30, and I looked forward to being 30 as a kid because 30 means you can stop caring about certain shit so here i am you do kind of shed those cares about things i'm not sure i'm all the way to walk around the house in my underwear point but i do know what you're talking about in general so i just walk around in my tidy whities and scream what the fuck is a tiktok um i'm old (laughs) i i started noticing that i do a thing and i don't know if it's just a compulsive thing or if it's a getting older thing or a both like a dad thing where for no oh, reason, for no reason, in, you know, like, I, like I'm, oh, I finished washing the dishes and now I'm turning to walk out of the room. I'll turn and to no one in particular, I'll say, okay, so, and that's it. <laughs> uh, I think I've been doing that since I was like in my 20s somewhere, but you know. It, it's, it's some kind of a compulsive <laughs> thing I've noticed I do as I've gotten older, which is just like, all right, now must fill auditory silence yeah. with nothingness. And it's totally to no one. It's just like kind of like mentally putting yourself into like, okay, what's next on the list kind of thing. But like you want other people to notice that you're checking something off the list too. Exactly. So like, it's it's especially, I think that first part that that is your brain's new way of saying now we're shifting gears, which let's be honest, is the equivalent of like, yeah, this lawnmower still runs, but you got to prime it five times and pull it twice. And that's the trick. That's the, that's you, the bang in the, the, the TV set on the side to get the color to work. <laughs> right see, is the okay so and it goes nowhere <laughs> see you guys are talking about this as if like well eric is a little bit leaning on it for me it's just like okay grew up only child middle of nowhere in the woods with two working parents like blue collar like all i did is feel the silence all i do is fill silence as a yeah as it's a stay-at-home artist as my girlfriend is out at work like today i had to give it, it evolves it evolves beyond like just so yeah what's next it, it goes to a point where i'm actually giving myself like therapeutic advice like i got really anxious about something today and and i'm pacing around in my underwear just saying hey dude it's okay you tried your best i don't know about man i, I priced it way too low i would have sold myself it's like it's okay you're trying to help a person out you know you know commissions are commissions you're gonna build your value you're right you're right and I'm just like, I'm not well, bothered by this. Should I be bothered by this? Because I feel like these are the warning signs of the crazy person on the street. He talks to himself and is in his underwear. Like, what's next? Doing a pot? Oh, shit. As long as you're not doing that out on the sidewalk, 
I think you're not the crazy person. It's when that when you get outside of your own space and start, you know, ranting at yourself in your underwear that the questions start to, you know. Oh, oh, it, every, everything's <laughs> indoors, but it has nothing that has nothing to do with whether or not I'm worried about people. It's just it's 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 just general social anxiety in general. So, well, that, you yeah. know, it's at the same time it's something not only just getting older, but the the, the continued ongoing covid pandemic situation where oh, yeah. you know as we've mentioned things. before things are starting to open up but it's still very much we're all doing less going out and socializing than we would have a year ago and with that as we were talking about before we were recording like the way you get dressed for the day has changed um to some degree <laughs> you know like that that walking around in your underwear thing is that is that all 30 or is that 30 in 2020 you know is <laughs> How much of a role does that yeah, play? That might have been your 45 in a different universe where this didn't all go down. Like, you might yeah. be advanced on your track a little it, bit it, here. Exactly. So. But, you know, one of the good things I'd say, though, about this has been, and, and I you know just kind of mentioned the podcast in and of itself and, and the sub-branches that have started to form from it, is because we've all collectively had to slow down to some degree, you know, maybe some more than others, but we've all kind of like, and now I'm stuck here, it's doing this podcast has become a little more important not to say it wasn't important before but because that escape to something is needed and i've noticed it's fun especially going back in time to look at older films the lounging around in your you know lazy clothes watching movies from the 90s God, I feel like a teenager in the '90s again. I'm filling the silence. I'm saying shit to no one in particular, but just to hear the sound of it. Um, <laughs> and I'm watching crappy movies. It's 2020 is 1994. Yeah, I you mean, guys I feel like we should uh, go smoke cigarettes in your dad's basement. So yeah, I mean that's it's been I've I've started feeling that craving come back but and actually and this is kind of an odd segue i know but even the film that we're going to talk about tonight is one of these early 90s mid 90s kind of movies that i watched when i was a teenager and you know it it just it's uh how long did it take you to come up with that uh segue did you come up quickly or did you come up with it oh he has it written down there's no no actually that was it's like a mono like he written down right on his on his wrist So you, you could you would say you came up with it and it you didn't come up with it in like a split second, like, oh quickly. yeah oh, oh drink nice. upon drink upon <laughs> I you know what and I when I was like oh I, this is a good opportunity for a segue I didn't even think about that that was well <laughs> done yes tonight we are going to be discussing the kind of an odd one to classify it's, it's Wikipedia yeah. loving I love this they classified it as the 1992 American British buddy cop science fiction horror film. Split second. I unloaded a full clip, 450 Magnum, point blank. It disappeared. He can hear its heartbeat. Where did he go? He knows it's out there. Somebody must have seen something. He knows what it can do. Are you telling me? There's something running around loose in this city, ripping the hearts out of people and eating them. Maybe he eats him for breakfast. Now, it's really pissing him off. Foster! And his new partner... I work alone. ...makes two. Paranoid people with guns are a menace to society. You'd be paranoid, too, if you had a dipshit like this following you. Stuck a 
honors in serial homicide. Oh, terrific. It has no motive. The only thing we know for sure is that he's not a vegetarian. No! It has the DNA structure of all its victims. It gives no warning. You ready to die? But one thing's for certain. We gotta get bigger guns! It ain't no pushover. Two, yeah! Bingo! We want to get to Cannon Street. <laughs> no, you don't. Yes, we do. Boy, are you pushy. Holy! I wouldn't say this thing thinks it's safe. I'd say it is safe. Rat bastard! Safe? Is it deep shit? Nice timing. Split second. I think that's a pretty accurate description. That kind of hits all the. I think it checks it, all it the boxes. Is, and, it ex- it, and it does check the boxes. <laughs> you don't sure think does. you that's don't think it does. Not. You don't think it does until somebody. It's like one of those things that like you can't quite like name something. And somebody describes something so perfectly that in a way that you would never assume to describe it, where you're just like. Wow, that clicked in my brain. Um, that worked so f- so yeah. flawlessly. I would have never assumed that this movie was a buddy cop sci-fi film. Science fiction horror. It's film, like yeah. it doesn't sci-fi even feature uh, Whoopi Goldberg and a guy yeah. in a giant dinosaur costume. You know, it's this fucking. So this one was directed by Tony Malum and Ian Sharp. Um, and it stars Rutger Hauer, which is really the, the big selling point oh, yeah. in this one. But also stars Kim Cattrall, Neil Duncan, and Michael J. Pollard. It was written by Gary Scott Thompson. This one came out in 1992, and it had a really weird pre-production. I don't think yeah, that's the only thing weird of, about it. Um, and and uh, I guess just to give you a quick synopsis, Rutger Hauer stars as burnt-out police detective Harley Stone. Uh, who obsessively is hunting down the mysterious serial killer that killed his partner several years prior, discovering that the uh, killer may not be human. This is all set, though, in 2008 London, where global warming has uh, ravaged the Earth enough where there's been continuous or large amounts of rainfall and has kind of shallowly flooded most of like, uh, London. Yeah, presumably caused the river to rise too. up over most of London. <laughs> right, which doesn't really make a difference in the plot i mean it sets the plot but it doesn't didn't need it to gives it an interesting backdrop it's it's it it does but yeah i was gonna say it does serve as a, an interesting backdrop so i guess i want to start with you guys um so this one came out in 1992 i'll admit that i remember the box for it and never saw it until oh gosh probably 1997 hmm. uh, it was a, a, a rental discovery or actually it was recommended by somebody and and discovered that on rental um let's start with you ryan when was, was this a first viewing uh, for you yes it was this was actually the first time i found no this is what's weird this isn't the first time i found out about it joe brought this up as like hey let's review this do you want to do this literally the day that i saw somebody on one of these movie share pages <laughs> on facebook like somebody shared this and i'm like well that looks like an interesting movie like in terms of like questionable and then the same fucking night 
We did the rec- one of our records, and Joe's like, yeah, our next movie's going to be this. It, I'm like, what the fuck is the fucking odds? It may have been. This is one that's been on my mind to review for a long time, but I think I saw a similar Facebook post from one of those movie I think we shared them, yeah. And was like, I was going to say, that makes yeah, three was of like, us, because yeah, I saw it the same day, too. Yeah. Um, we all have to be I, I members think... of the same thing, I'm sure. But Oh, a positive. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just like, a, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to bring that one up. That's so. where it came from. Okay, and Eric, what about you? This is one, I mean, pretty much I have the exact same story as you. This is one I, I distinctly remember this movie box sitting in the video store. Uh, it's something I know that I never saw. Um, but yeah, it's like one that I, I probably picked it up and read the back of it multiple times kind of kind of deal. Um, but yeah, this was actually a first watch. It's the first time I actually sat down and saw it. I have some vague memories of seeing bits of this on cable at one point. I don't know how much of the movie I saw, and maybe it was like the middle of the night, you know, in kind of a, a stupor. So um, I remember like Rudger Hauer's character and kind of his like get up, like the leather jacket, the little sunglasses, and the whole deal. Um, I can remember some things about like kind of the setting and them sloshing around, and but that's really all I remember about. It. And that the, that there was like a serial killer. I don't even think I remember that it from watching the movie other than you know the poster that there was a monster in this movie i I thought it was just a cop movie um but yeah that's really all like i I have some vague memories of seeing maybe bits and pieces of this thing but uh certainly remember the the poster art from the video box so yeah and and really i think after re-watching this one for the podcast it's I remember liking it in the 90s when I saw it. And actually I still I still did enjoy watching it, but it's it's a very great example of the kind of movies I think I had in mind when we started doing a podcast about kind of cult and forgotten yeah. films from the 80s and 90s because this is one it it checks off all those boxes. It is a buddy cop movie. It has really well done aspects of buddy cop mm-hmm. movie. You know, you like don't... You, know, you don't expect it, but it fucking does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it really works. That's probably and the plot out of the many the things going on that works the best in this. In like this the movie. like the odd couple right. starting off as an odd couple, uh, buttonheads, nerd versus macho man, and then slowly them coming the coming aboard on the same terms to the point where you have the maniac lead character. Like by sorry by maniac, I mean man, ma- manic, manic, manic. He's very manic. Very jack, like jack, jacked up on caffeine, chocolate, so like and, and, chocolate yeah. and lack of sleep, which is a recurring yeah. joke throughout the whole fucking. Not, in, I don't know if it's an intentional recurring joke, but it's a recurring joke throughout the whole movie to the point that even his partner is like, "Oh, now that I know what you're fucking hunting, I'm like totally experiencing the same shit." Where's my big gun? level of just like this is funny. Like this got better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially it's rare to see. It, it done this well where you've got the kind of odd couple buddy yeah. cop thing but you know one of them is like the really straight kind of stiff and the other one's just a little nerdy he's, he's nerdy i think like yeah but in this case both characters are so fun to watch they're both chewing the scenes in their own everybody in this yeah. movie and the coffee the they're also chewing everybody. the coffee but that's right yeah a lot of coffee you can taste you can you can taste the oh god just it. the stalest um, coffee 
and the you know whole, the, the whole movie's kind of that way. I feel like you could taste the grit in this whole movie. Like it's just kind of a dirty kind of kind of when it gets over, you feel like you want to go take a bath. You know, it's a you, yeah. yeah, you know. Well, and and so this one is just chock full of subplots. Yes, it is. And you know, so but, you, because you've got the main the main guy right, Rucker Howard's Harley Stone, who have, was partners with a guy who was um, killed. In the line of duty by this creature. Harley blames himself, so he's gone off the deep end. So you've got his whole thing. But meanwhile, apparently he also hit the bottle really hard after his partner also, died. And then had yeah. an affair with his partner's widow. And then left her and, like, broke her heart. So he needs work. Yeah, I believe Stone was and, having an affair with the widow when the partner when was they, killed. When, when so the partner like, was killed got, and then after the death. guilt. Yeah. 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 He left her due to guilt. So yeah. not only did she lose her husband, she also lost uh, her lover. A lover. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, well, fuck. Yeah, it, yeah. It's really. I mean, even the name Harley Stone. <laughs> which um, you don't. I. I which you don't get till about what, what halfway the, through. Uh, yeah, you but but you find out Harley. way later. Uh, and they and, call him Stone. Yeah. Like he's Stone the whole time. You know how cops. You know, you, at cop movies, they always use the last names, but. Yeah, I think I, I think it was about halfway I mean, every, through before we every, thought it was Harley. All of the names in the in this movie though are just like it's almost like they rolled dice of like badass names for Michelle the Michelle McLean, like Harley Dick Stone. Durkin. Yeah, Alan Armstrong plays the uh, the police sergeant, which is Star- Thrasher. Sergeant Thrasher, yeah. <laughs> you know, Foster McLean, like you mentioned, and even like oh, but the nerdy sidekick is Dick Durkin. I will. <laughs> it's like these all sound like. Mario. Or some kind of like a, uh, was it radio, uh, kind of story, detective, kind of thing, kind of like uh, Dick yeah, Tracy, like actually. More, yeah, old, yeah, old school like detective which, stuff. Yep. Which they kind of do at the very fucking end of the movie, where the character Dick Dirk is like, they're riding off in a boat on the sunset after defeating everything, all and he's fucking narrating like yeah. Detective yeah. Dick Durkin and his sidekick Stone. Psychic sidekick, Harley yeah, and then Stone. Stone's like, "Shut the fuck up!" Essentially, um, yeah. They're... Oh my god, yeah, yeah. It's okay, a... so another thing I want to mention about the plot too is, is another subplot we have going on is so this killer is leaving Scorpio zodiac signs and and removes organs from the just victim. the heart. Yeah, rips out rips out victims' hearts and carves zodiac signs into their now. corpses, and leaves taunting messages to mm-hmm. Stone. Yeah. And is quite proficient with assault. I will say that that subplot, which is pretty much... He can also go undercover in nightclubs, apparently, as well. Oh, yeah, he just goes undetected. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. They mentioned something about that, though, that perhaps only children and animals can see him. Hmm. Or maybe also past victims, I would assume, given how the end goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say that he is... That you mentioned that 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 being another plot that's supposed to be the main plot and is the one plot that like I'd say in the first two acts is like stays pretty strong consistent it moves the narrative but when it but its conclusion which is the conclusion of the movie and we'll probably get to that but I'm just saying it's just like well that was weak <laughs> that, that that felt sped well, up it, and it, I also feel more it does invested a U-turn. like it 180s you into a different kind of movie all of a sudden and I well, think it, once you start to read about like kind of the pre-production woes that this uh, script had getting to the screen you, you kind of understand 
you know, where all that stuff came from because yeah. it originally looked yeah. like it was more of a conventional detective slash serial killer film um and somebody threw a monster in at some point in the <laughs> well i mean that's so. that's what's but that like what you're saying about the u-turn in this movie and what we're watching that's what's so interesting because the first part of it you're invested in just stone's character or at least i was i should say i was invested in stone's character uh hunting this beast and like if i'm going to be latched onto anything this is the only plot i actually care about uh, i'm invested in only because that's what I'm supposed to be. But it does do that U-turn where I'm like, I stopped. I think it's once the partner started to believe him and I witnessed the creature himself in the morgue. Yeah. Like after, and that whole spiral, like his whole, when Dick Durkin, is it Dick Dirk or Dick Durkin? Dick Durkin, yeah. Durkin. Okay. Durkin as in weird. Durkin. It's still weird regardless. When Dick Durkin <laughs> just starts like losing his shit and pretty much oh, doing man. literally the exact same shit that all of Stone does, and Stone is just like, holy shit, like, Stone becomes the straight man, and then this dude becomes <laughs> yeah. the crazy one, and that's when, like, the whole it, thing is like, I don't care about the fucking gets, demon alien, so I want this. Goes, like, it's hilarious. full Durkin at the end, of, I'll just call it, uh, and yeah, he becomes the crazy person, but he, they play so well off of each other, because at first they're doing the, like, you know good cop bad cop thing you know a little bit and like there's the you know the, the lethal weapon you know buddy cop movie deal but it totally flips itself on its head after Durkin sees the creature and um he you know he becomes stone times 10 almost like with the way he just has all this nervous energy and uh yeah it, it, he's hilarious like it, I think it's Neil Duncan that played um, Dick yeah. Durkin. Yeah, yeah, he's the the way they hit him and Rudger Howard play off of each other is really really good. It's honestly probably the strength of what makes this as good of a movie as it is, um, and not that it's perfect, but I think without some of that stuff and, and probably without all the quirky like we threw a monster in here for no reason and it takes place in flooded London for some reason, all these like little quirky eccentricities make this a unique and memorable movie. I think. Without those things, even though they might be what adds to some of the like muddled narrative, um, literally those muddled. Things, this probably isn't a super memorable movie. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise that it's so weird or had so many rewrites and different <laughs> versions. But. Well, and yeah, you you mentioned that how initially this was a kind of ritualistic serial killer, occult, maybe Satan worshiping type movie, something yeah, like that. Harrison Ford was attached uh, to it at one point, I believe. Yeah. yeah, that was. Um, I was gonna say, it just proves the well, point. Well, Harrison Ford in mind movie was supposed yeah, okay. to be like a weak yeah. Blade Runner. <laughs> it was supposed to be a Blade Runner. Meets, meets Predator, so many nineties movies. Uh, were, Exorcist. Right? I'd say it. I think it was supposed to be Blade Runner. Meets I Exorcist. see it as a Blade Runner meets Predator Two slash Alien, but with with the yes. elements of Exorcist. Uh, more accurately, End and of Days. They... The Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Where you have to fight the um, devil. One of the things, though, I guess it was kind of stopped in its tracks, though, for, for a moment, because it, it was very similar in what the direction they were going with the Lou Diamond Phillips movie, The First Power. Yeah. Which came out just a few just years ago. Just one I've actually seen. So they, it is. There's some similarities in the first act, definitely. And it's that's quite a good one, too, that I wouldn't mind yep. reviewing on here at some point. Um, it's a very good thriller. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in this case, they ended up kind of adding in all these different aspects, and they kept getting more people on board, and things changed. And I, I believe I read that the creature design 
is kind of all over the place. Uh, Stephen uh, Norrington is the uh, special effects designer who had to come up with the creature mm-hmm. for this, and had a uh, didn't have much time to actually do it, so it kind of got slapped together. And the creature is really strange. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's like alien wearing aviators. No, not aviators. What's those sunglasses in the eighties? Like a Oakleys, maybe like the, like the, yeah, kind of like. like like what somebody who would own a speedboat, or at least talk about how they want to own a speedboat. Yeah. And yeah, the creature design is interesting, and yeah, I think I read the same thing that Stephen Norrington literally had no time. By the time they gave gave him what they wanted, it like just didn't have time to throw it together. And budget, obviously, I think is a consideration by this point too. Although I'm not sure this is really truly a low budget movie, at least not at the get go. But. Um, no, in fact, I think it there was a there there was a theatrical campaign for it. Yeah, I don't think it was meant to go straight to video. Yeah, hmm. I, uh, um, I mean, you know, not getting Harrison Ford and getting Rudger Hauer. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just that puts you in a different category of movies. I think automatically, like if Rudger Hauer is your lead actor versus a Harrison Ford vehicle, um, you're talking about a different kind of camp and a different audience. Well, you would have gotten an actor who wouldn't have tried his best when he realized that he's a piece of shit. Let's be honest. Right. Harrison Ford, like, is like if he's in something he doesn't like, like he'll act. But like, you you can't help but see like I'm not happy with this. Whereas Howard like, walks his way through everything he does. Anyways. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Howard, on the other hand, fully like it doesn't matter. I really, oh, yeah. I'll he's... really fucking commit to this. He's perfect for this. Please don't misunderstand that. I think it was a bad decision. I no, think no, no. Yeah, that happened to this movie for sure. Agreed. <laughs> I was actually, I yeah, that's where I was leading at, and I knew that's where you were going. Sorry. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. That's okay. I just wanted. Why well, was more clear? I, I was pretty sure you understood that, but clarifying in general, just that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm certainly Rudger Howard. I don't know. He kills it in this movie. He's great. He's kind of like the coolest character. <laughs> that I didn't know existed until I saw this recently. Like, the, you know, where was I missing out on Harley Stone for so long? And, he, um, <laughs> not that there aren't other great characters, because we, you know, there are. But now he—he's a weird character, oh, yeah. though. One thing I made a note of is how he's—he's kind of oddly all over the place. Like in the the first act of the movie, he's the hardened, ultra edgy, you know, anxiety, caffeine and chocolate, yeah. right? <laughs> like that's what he—that's what they keep so saying about him. Well, he—he. He, he, what is it they also ask him? Like he's he's paranoid. He's got all these guns. I'm surprised you don't have a rocket launcher. Couldn't get a permit. <laughs> you know all of these little lines and stuff. And then as soon as like Kim Cattrall shows up, that changes considerably. He still does it a bit, but all of a sudden you're seeing a you. I guess what I'm trying to say is usually in movies like this, there's much more of a buildup before the hardened character starts showing their soft yeah. side. And he does pretty much. Oh, he turns on a dime, which is actually kind (laughs) of cool in a way because it shows that this edgy that that's part of his anxiety. Yeah, she opens him up like right away, and you so that so that I mean yeah, that's well played I think because it shows the importance without you know unfortunately we don't get to spend a lot of time with Kim Cattrall's character in this. She gets her obligatory '90s shower scene, but other than that, we don't get a whole lot of. time with her on screen but, but, she does a good job with what she's given but but the change that she inspires in stone says a lot about her character so it does that's an interesting way of kind of expanding a character's role if you can't or don't focus a lot of time on them uh 
And so I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> but, and then there was two other things okay. I wanted to mention about some of the other cast members. Um, Pete Postlethwaite is in mm -hmm. this. He's one of my favorite faces. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> that nobody remembers. I mean, he just passed away. A oh, he was in James and Giant Peach. He was in Dragonheart. Yeah. Yep, he was it's... in uh, James the Giant Peach. He was in Jurassic Park, The yep. Lost World. Um, yeah, he's been in tons of I just of tons saw him um, in a little more recent movie called Solomon Kane, um, which I think I kind of recommended to you guys. If I didn't, I meant to. But, um, yeah, he plays a... You know, kind of what he always does, like a small role in that, but he's always great. Like, he's one of those people that just is just fantastic in everything. Um, I also, and he's got such a distinctive um, <laughs> face, too. Like he's, uh, He does. Yeah. Well, and, and the way that he he and Stone get into these arguments in this movie is really quite fun. He's how, the many only guy Stone, how many times does Stone grab someone by the collar and shove him up against the wall in this movie? I think him three yeah. times. I was going to say that this actor is like the only few people who I know who can successfully pull off the, I'm going bald, but I'm still letting the hair grow out. Also, I have that unicorn like hair patch that doesn't go away. Like not many people pull it off. No one really does. But this guy, for some reason, I don't know what it is about his face. It's just like, I still take him serious despite looking kind of clownish. That's weird. <laughs> It's weird yeah. to think about that, but it's just one of those like, God damn, this man, he just has a charisma. <laughs> I like him. He's the only man who pulls off this hairstyle. Looking at you, George Costanza, he couldn't do it. <laughs> damn there, there's, a, there's another character in this who's, or a couple other characters, but one I wanted to mention too was O'Donnell, who is one of the other police officers in this, and he's played by the actor uh, Tony Steedman, who... Socrates. <laughs> he's Socrates in Bill and Ted yeah but he plays O'Donnell which is an officer that pretty much helps other cops oh, check that out character. Yeah, he's like the weapons room and guy the scene, yeah. he's the you weapons him, like, room guy scene. and the scene when when when, when and, uh, Stone and, and Dirk and Goindy start just getting all these heavy <laughs> badass guns and he's handing them out and listing what they can do he looks and reminds me so much, and Eric, I was thinking about you with, with this one, reminds me so much of, of uh, Desmond Lulul's Q from the Bond films. Oh, yeah, just the way he's like, what? That, oh, no, that. that can't be a coincidence. He looks yeah. like him in that role, even. And it, it felt very much like a nod to James to, to Q and James Bond. It may have been. He's essentially uh, playing that role, like, oh, you can't you can't take all of these out, or, oh, not that one. Like, that's a, you know, like, what do you need all yeah, of these You don't want for? that one. Like, <laughs> Well, okay, well, how many how many rounds do you need for this? Well, then you need these rounds. <laughs> oh, by the way, can you guys sign the uh, paper? Like at first, he's like, please, no, and then he's leave. giving them Just advice. Just one of you. Wow. No, that's an assault shotgun. It's fully automatic. Yeah. But this, that's 650 rounds a minute. Yeah? Yeah. What do you need two for? Hey, what the fuck is this thing you're after? A Sherman tank? No. What? No, no. That's a Megatron flash grenade. You could clear a jungle with one of these things. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Bingo. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Right. What if one of you guys inside... We keep bringing up that scene and, like, you know, Durkin kind of, you know, the shift in his character and everything. Bigger but fucking guns. Just because I had a quick thought that I wanted to, like, say about that scene is I think that is the, the turning point when this movie becomes um yeah that's something the u -turn. 
it goes from yeah it goes from being something that's generally kind of b movie kind of interesting um like there's a lot going on uh, on here you know rucker howard's character's cool his performance is interesting um you know the serial killer stuff is pretty typical 90s uh cop movie but at that moment that's when this becomes something from kind of like a just an interesting look back to like whoa wait a second this might actually be you know un- accidentally a really great movie in a way like because well, this is different like it's yeah. i want to build off of that because i wanted to say like um earlier when we were talking about this turn this you realize like actually the saving grace of this film is the buddy cop aspect of it like this part is like feels legitimate to what it's trying to be mm. it feels original like when you look at the notes of like oh this is like blade Ra- runner meets predator 2 slash alien you don't think it's like also tango and cash uh <laughs> but it's lethal weapon like, lethal you know. we- well you get the nerdy thin guy it actually it executes what those elements like when you have those like random elements i feel like this really did a good job of executing that like i legitimately uh dick's uh dick uh durkin's character is this nerdy completely opposite guy there's i expected him to die at one point like throughout the whole movie like i'm waiting for this character to die not realizing like oh they built him up to this status where he earns being this counterpoint but equal to howard stone and it's just one of those like god this is great this is the u-term this movie this is the point i'm getting to this movie was inaccurately advertised like they advertise it as just like uh Hauer versus stones versus the fucking like aviated alien and it's just like oh i feel like this is trying to be what it felt like you at first it was trying to be you like thriller cop sci-fi paranoid par- i'm just gonna say sci-fi it's not really like i know it's a demon but it's like like now nah, i'm not getting any religious aspect of this once again like i'm saying they failed to sell this but if they would have went with this like like thrown the partner in the poster like show this keep everything but then show the awkwardness that perfectly perfectly represents uh, dick durkin you're like this feels like a sci-fi buddy comedy i think we're gonna enjoy this more and i i will admit to you guys i wish that was the mentality when i went into this because i'm watching this movie i'm like this feels like a bland blade runner this feels like how uh Howard wants to do Blade Runner. He just wants Dick Dirk. Um, sorry, uh, Stone is just an all-around dick to the point where he's every fucking cop cliche. And you're like, this character, despite the actor behind it, like is hard to save. Like at one point, they even say like he starts the movie suspended. Of course, renegade cop. Like yeah. when we say he's a rent, what is it? The fucking type of cop stereotype that he is. Like it's down to the wire. Like they even, I even wrote down the quote he's been fired from every hellhole but he's still but he's still the best and yeah and i'm like perfect and i'm like fucking try using that in pay negotiations and your next fucking like yearly fucking review where you're like i've been fired from nine different geology but you're still the best best. like yeah don't fight (laughs) i'm unstable this doesn't fucking work but i'm the best but you see the point i'm saying is this like but if you go into this like oh this is a buddy cop film that's also a sci-fi film like a buddy cop version of blade runner then thinking of it that way i'm like now you can enjoy it from the start in a different light and I wish it was done that way, yeah. but that's not how it was done. Well, it fails to be what it's trying mm-hmm. to produce, but fails to see what it actually succeeds in. 
That was a long yeah. way of saying that. Sorry, guys. Everybody. No, no that's agreed. a very interesting point. And actually, um, I was going to save this for later, but it, it's a perfect segue into it. And, and that's so this movie does have a very small cult following. But it's, I wouldn't say it's anywhere near the success of something like a contemporary type movie that would have come no. out around this time, like uh, Event yeah. Horizon. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, but I really got to thinking about, especially I watched this twice this weekend, uh, once by you myself and then once with Sarah, because I, I, I kind of view her as, by the way, like almost like all of our spouses and significant others, almost like producers on the show <laughs> um, for putting up with it. But I, I was like, kind of like, I. I think I kind of like this. You watch it. What yeah, you what's your take? So I watched it. And, because um, she just doesn't like being on the mic. Right. Uh, but, and, and she promptly fell asleep. Hmm. Which is fair. But, you know, we got to talking about it today. And I said, you know, I I feel like this checked all the boxes for it should be a cult classic. Yeah, I feel like it. And she said, she's like, yeah, I, I could see that. I go, no, it, but it doesn't have much of one. Again, this should have... It had a theatrical release, and then it had a you know it was available in video stores everywhere. Um, so was something like Event Horizon. So why doesn't this have the following? It's got the same flaws. It's got some of the same flaws. It's got some of the same benefits. It's got amusing parts to it. So why isn't it? And you know I I really got looking into a little bit more about what was going on. Perhaps one of the reasons this isn't considered a true cult classic right uh, meaning like it isn't a huge cult fan base is because it was released in theaters the same weekend as the la riots in 92 yeah now, i'm not trying to blame the la riots for the failure of this movie the initial theatrical boost could have made a difference but it probably wouldn't have been a mainstream hit because the reviews for it were not good. no I feel like they there's a nudge and a wink i'm not blaming they... the riots nudge wink <laughs> I know. No, I know. I'm not. I'm just saying circumstantially, the um, the, the press didn't help either. Like know. they ripped into it, and, and 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 not all of it's unwarranted, but I made and, perhaps oh perhaps totally. a little more than I think is fair. But yeah, um, I yeah. will also throw in my hat of my argument, and I also don't think it was advertised correctly. Like I don't think they saw True. what they actually yeah. saw that I worked agree. and try to sell it like that. Like I'm just saying, guys, think when I say Blade Runner buddy cop sci-fi film it's not something that brings up a lot of fucking movies now does it but it's like i would see no, that it doesn't. and by when i say those terms i say this movie had it's one of those few movies that shows okay i gotta make a joke about this the reason i'm trying to define this is because like when i say blade runner buddy cop film i feel like most people will think of things like um what's that one movie with bruce willis where he's an android like the whole society's androids. It's based off a comic. Androids. Oh, where it's like surrogate. Put on a surrogate. Suit. Uh, so, surrogate, so when I say yeah, that, I think of people who are thinking like modern day interpretations of cop sci-fi, which is surrogate, but played by Ryan Reynolds, hence comedy. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about not cheap CGI, quote unquote, world building. I'm talking about this movie had. Like, a good enough budget to create, like, a water-filled, weird, kind of memorable environment. It makes me feel like Blade Runner. It's not perfect Blade Runner, but I'm saying, in terms of what it's trying to be, like, there. It actually has that Blade Runner feel, post-apocalyptic kind of aesthetic. Then throw in the buddy yep. cop part of it, and that seems enjoyable. It had the chance, it felt like it did the material, 
and I'm all I realize I'm all I'm doing is trying to remake an argument that I already proved worked. So I'm gonna stop. <laughs> did, did, yeah, I totally Sorry. agree with you. Um, I just had more to I, add to I, it. I do. I just think that if this initially had at least, if and again, I'm not blaming the rights. That no. was a very important thing that happened in American it's history the his- at the time. I think just circumstantially, yeah. I think this movie could have probably elevated yeah. to having a broader. Cult I agree, and because because again, the, the reviews were bad. It is. Reviews are bad. And you're right, Ryan. It's not advertised it's, for what it is. But there are still going to be a number of people that go to see this in the theater and go, holy shit, this wasn't what it was advertised. But I love this the same reason I like Evil I, Dead 1. Yes, yeah. yeah. I will say I hope that's you know, the case. And, but you do and, get those nerds who are kind of just, I wasn't sold what I was sold. The, the DNC oh, yeah. fan base is them, terrible. But, but we all know this. Of course you're going to get them. But I think it could have broadened the... The surrounding, and I, I don't know. I got to thinking about like what, how could you find out if that played a role? And I guess one would be like, well, when did people start yeah, discovering yeah. this? I didn't see it until '97. Yeah. Um, I and that was still when you know video stores were very common. You know, that was still you know the '90s video store heyday. It's a video store base. And I was just thinking like, yeah. I was like, God, I really wish there was was data readily available <laughs> for the numbers of like video store rentals to figure out when direct-to-video films started gaining popularity. This sounds like a master's thesis for somebody, yeah. but somebody get on it. That sounds really important. Like, yeah, We'll give you a special segment like, and a spot yeah. on the Video Junkyard podcast. If you guys are motivated by that, please, like Joe suggests, go out there, write this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you do it, because, Eric, you worked at a video store. Was there ever, like, a record kept of who rented what? I mean, yes, there was. I feel like that's like an infringement account. on privacy, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there certainly was a record. Like, you could go back, and I don't know if it was kept forever. I don't know how long. But you'd go back and see what people, like, people's rental history. Um, oh, so, yeah, okay. I mean, somewhere there's data. I don't know if it was ever collected by anybody. But <laughs> see, that's the thing. I think it'd be kind of cool. Wouldn't that be interesting? Maybe I'm. All <laughs> I was going to say maybe the professor too. of uh, yeah. geology. No, I, think, no, I just be, you know it would be interesting as we to talk study about the movies. phenomenon of straight to video and like th- or sleeper successes, things that became no. I agree. Exactly I agree. In video yeah. stores, rather than you know through the conventional method of you know theatrical release. So, and also like what yeah, it, what it, has it, happened now is straight to streaming doing the same thing for movies. I, I'm guessing no. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. so it's like, There's too much saturation. Yeah. I mean, and and box art. Oh my god! Sure I remember is. the cover of this Which, movie. Too. This is a good one. One of the variations, Which... straight up Blade Runner. Yeah, it's it's, it's a hand illustrated totally. cover, like almost shot to shot, the fucking Blade Runner in a weird way. Uh, yeah. Once again, Blade Runner references to this, but yeah, yeah. I... Well, and I think this just got a Blu-ray release this summer on MVD Rewind Collection. Hmm. You know so I'm hard for that, it. Th- that is available if anybody wants it on Blu-ray. But yeah, it this came out in 92, and in 2020 it finally got <laughs> a Blu-ray. And of course it was the summer of 2020, so nobody fucking cared. Once again, <laughs> so, Ellie riots, and now COVID virus. God damn it, it's cursed. And marketing, all of you fuckers. <laughs> this, so this could be... Before we run out of time, speaking of the poster, the poster is a good segue to this. I wanted to talk a little bit about the the monster. So we didn't we yes, didn't really spend much I time. Did, yeah. we, we did mention right. like real quickly the design of the monster and the well, you, you know, artist you, you running out of time. Yeah. The artist running out of time um, 
designing the the suit or whatever for the monster but i guess let's talk about like the role it plays and how like the third act of the movie becomes a monster movie suddenly like is that <laughs> like what um yeah there's weird stuff with the creature in the i mean first of all the design of it you know it's what nine ten feet tall yeah or it's, it's scraping on the top it's of a subway car. I don't know if that's very the, tall yeah, and slender. It's like slenderish, muscular. It's got long black claws and just jagged teeth that stick out of the mouth. And it's wearing like a visor that looks like, you know, LeVar Burton yeah. as uh, Jordy, you know, as yeah, the Forge. And yeah, and uh, except it's this big, dark, monstery thing. But that's it. I mean, honestly, it looks like Venom wearing a visor. Yeah, he looks I'll like he it. buys OP shorts from Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can wear they, these they to the, when why. I go pick it, up it the local It could be a demon. It Caesars. could be Satan. It could, who knows what the hell and why it's yeah. in. Well, all of the stuff going on in the plot sense. of this movie that you, we, we didn't even, like, we kind of touched on briefly. But, yeah, there's this whole you know subplot of occultism and that, that it possibly is a demon of some sort. Um, or the demon of all demons, Satan yeah, himself. or it could possibly be yeah. the devil himself. Um, but nothing in the design of the creature leads me to believe that any of that is true. But however, but he's he's carving signs into people, so there's obviously something to it. Anyway, all of that doesn't make any sense, and muddles just kind of <laughs> muddles up the. Oh, also, the it contains about the movie all the DNA of all of its victims, or whatever. Yeah, like when they have the DNA, it's like oh, it contains killed or bitten. So like he bit, yeah, um, stone, I believe at one point, and then um, his uh, hence their connection. Yeah, yeah, wife or girlfriend, wife of his partner, girlfriend. Yeah, Um, but yeah, so it's interesting that, and then, and so in the third act of this, it suddenly it's hinted that like this thing's not human, but in the third act of this, suddenly um, it becomes a hunt. Right, Durkin is convinced. They go on the ramp. Hey, they check out all the weapons from Socrates. They, <laughs> you know, go and uh, mm-hmm. go and try to find this thing. And they, it ends up, you know, coming back full circle. Stone is down in the same sewer that his partner was originally killed. And that's where they kind of face off with the um, monster. There's the great, the great shot in the subway, though. Where the creature, where Ruckerhauer standing in the subway car looking around, and the creature just starts putting its fingers over his head, down over his face from on and top taking of his off head. and gently take like you have these giant like two foot, <laughs> like one foot long claws over his yeah. face, and they gently somehow, and I think it's a fluke, but it's a fluke that worked beautifully. It gently takes off his sunglasses, and as it goes over his head, grabs them, like you can see them gra- like hold on to them, like not just drop them. And it's just like, let me take away, let me take away your scene, cool persona and show how fucking frightened you are of what I actually am right now. Th- that scene, I think, is the most one of the most. That and the I couldn't get the permit line from the beginning when asked about the <laughs> rocket launcher. Where the, the fuck's my gun? Those are my two memories of this movie that always stick with me. Is that kind of a dark humor to it in that beginning part, and then that creepy ass scene with that effect was just it's a very subtle thing but god that stayed with me oh my god this years like i remember that being a cool creepy this shot this movie as well as its creature like it just keeps 
pushing home this this argument that I'm making for sure that like there's elements of this are just so like this movie isn't great, but there are elements that are just no. super well done and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, add to your since we're talking about monster to add to it the monster is just kind of lackluster throughout um but there are like these characteristics done in such a way that you like the characteristics not necessarily it doesn't necessarily necessarily save the whole creature for me personally but it gives me the essence the personality of the creature where i'm like i'm disappointed that they didn't show more one example is what Joe just mentioned with the removal of the sunglasses. And I would say that I do like when the claw is sticking through Freddy Krueger style on the top and chasing the girlfriend or the love interest down yeah. the yeah. cars and just the sparks flying. It's just like, this is great. I will say, though, there is a moment where they do a pan away from a distance. And so as you see the close-up, the close-up is cool. The fingers sticking in and just slicing through like it's butter it's just like that's telling me how sharp these claws are mind you this is before the scene that joe mentions so when you see him those claws seen rip through steel and such go over his face and then gently remove sunglasses without cutting mm-hmm. cutting him it's like this motherfucker is surgical like that's those are those are elements those are characteristics that tell me about the creature that are just great but there is a moment when they pan away from the distance where she's getting chased and you just see wrist up a hand claw just gliding across like the whole from like the mid arm up just gliding across the top of the car when when you get the close up it's the claws but when you get the far away it's just a whole hand and i'm like well that doesn't make sense like <laughs> yeah. that's blatantly yeah. ruining this moment I'm going. I can. I'm willing to ignore it because the element that it's showing is so cool, and the follow up with the face, cool. But I can't. I. I admit that I stopped. And I'm like, I got to laugh at. I laughed. I laughed at it. I couldn't help it. I'm like, that is. I can see the fucking bar. Like it's not even. You, know, you just see half the hand up. Is it doesn't make sense. You actually see where the half of the arm cuts off, and the bar is attached to it. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's a prop fail. <laughs> it's. Do More so the angle well, of the camera, but... Do you guys think it helped the creature thing at all in this movie? That it... They did a good job of, you know, executing the Jaws principle in this thing. Like, you never see this thing until yeah, yeah. the third act. I thought you meant the facing. actual physical Jaws, and I'm like, no, I argue differently. They had terrible no, not, mouth Not the movement. physical Jaws. Jaws but, the yeah, movie. I like, get what you're saying. The, yeah, not showing the creature until the, you know, penultimate moment when they're yeah. about to have the, you know, big battle. Um did that help things like i feel like that might you know and, and maybe you know si- as similar to jaws as well maybe it's because they really didn't have this creature put together shooting most of the film i have a strong um, answer to that question that you're asking but i'm not letting joe go first because i talk way too much no go ahead oh i, I was just it's, it's very quick uh i would say yes if i didn't see the fucking movie poster that I think the Jaws approach would have been great. But they tried to sell the movie like, look, we have a demon creature. They they, they spoil the surprise in the poster. Uh, and every every material in which they try to sell this movie because they're trying to sell that creature. And once again... It's such a cool poster, though. I it is, it is. Too bad, but but <laughs> it's, it ruins what this movie really needs to save it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm just going to attack the market I- in. I, I would I would actually agree to an extent, but I think this was it was very common 
in the 90s. Oh, yeah, I know. Stuff that's... That you see going to video stores, they always show the creature on the front. Well, Usually, it's... that's the best shot you're going to get at it in the well, entire it's the... movie, is looking it's at the, the cover mo- It's the video store bait, which nowadays it's Netflix yeah. bait. But if you have good... If you have good artwork that's like, listen, this this movie bombed. That's that's how you usually knew in the '90s that a movie bombed. Is like what Joe's saying is yeah. like if you saw like a a cool cover that you like of something that's like I never heard of this and it's quite old, but the cover looks cool. I know it's a piece of shit, but it's gonna have some cool elements. I'll rent it. Yeah. Uh, and I get yeah. that. I get yep. that. But I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna do it throw the buddy cop in there <laughs> yeah but well and I, I wanted to bring up um, one last kind of a thing I know I shared this with you guys a couple days ago but there is an article on the blog Den of Geek out of the I'm UK for it. where just about two years ago they were just under two years ago they reviewed this film and called it the unofficial it Venom movie you probably didn't know is. about <laughs> and essentially they're making the argument that no this is not in any way connected to the marvel films but the creature looks a lot like venom more or less yeah and it if you want to see rucker howard fight venom this is the closest you're gonna get it is the furthest to a venom movie i will just like the unofficial venom movie i will say after watching this no but continue i I, you know what it what i was gonna say is definitely not officially but fuck if it isn't headcanon worthy (laughs) Like, I could see this being remade, and they just kind of put Venom in it, and they wouldn't have to change much. It's set... Okay, I'm willing to, because I, I really am different. <laughs> you did not sell it's, me. It's set in 2008. Who's to say an alien symbiote in the Marvel Universe doesn't give you incredibly long life, right? So now you got Eddie Brock, or whoever the symbiote's on now, living in 2008, pollution-ravaged, flooded London. He's got nothing to do. He's wearing the local fashion, which is this dumbass visor, and he's fucking with cops because it's fun because he's Venom. That era of Venom. <laughs> that Todd McFarlane era of Venom. Not the anti-hero Venom, the I have power and have fun with it Venom. Either way. Like, here's I mean, the thing. I here's the thing. I'll working. sell this to you further. I think, to add to your thing, which I this is where I thought like maybe people were talking about with the Venom thing. Like, I had my own guesses about what the creature was. And it never went that route. And But here's what I thought it should go. I originally thought it was going to go. Think it should have gone and how it connects to the Venom thing. You ready? Okay. Yeah. I thought the, the girlfriend was actually going to turn out to be the creature. And by that I mean it's a mutated virus that mutates its host and is passed on. Like when they were talking about like, oh yeah, it shares DNA. I'm like... What if her bite mark, what if it was all a ruse? It's like a red heron. And it turns out that she was this creature the whole time. And her whole motivation for fucking with this dude was because, like, listen, you made me cheat on my husband. He died. We were both devastated. And you fucking left me. You're all lovey-dovey to me this whole fucking movie. Turns out, like, no, this is my revenge plot against you. And I'm actually this creature because of this mutation, because of the rat plague or whatever that they were talking about that was going on. Like, I've... And with some kind of maybe fucking horror elements like hell, like I sold my soul, whatever, any fucking thing. I still think that she should have turned out to be the creature, like dangle in there. And turns out that was the trap. I'm like, I'm here to kill you because you broke up with me after my husband husband died. Like you put me through so much shit. I don't actually love you, you piece of shit human garbage. 
I'm like, that would have been way fucking better. Which totally would be a great candidate for the alien symbiote to go with because there's so much anger Well, I'm just there. saying, like, the <laughs> idea like, of Venom. I, dude, I could push Venom in this. I could totally push. We need. I'm going to sit down with you after the show one of these nights, and we're going to... We're going to make the sequel to this, by the way. We're going to make the sequel. We're going to make the sequel to Venom that takes place in the future, but it's also going to be a remake yeah. of Split But we Second. don't we don't have and... the energy or the budget to either fucking shoot a just... film, short series, but everybody's going to be happy. We don't even characters take take Harley Stone and Dick Durkin into that and and symbiote and there you go. I think yeah. you got a good movie. Well, 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 here's the thing. See? We... Oh, I'm not changing anything. I'm just saying them. we don't have the energy to create anything. Thing. We can't even do a graphic novel despite having an artist. The best that we're able to do is put the whole narrative on beer bottle labels and sell you the beer <laughs> officially starting the not, video not junkyard the uh split second beer well, brand brewed by joe himself designed by me and taste tested by eric because we have to torture him <laughs> yeah you, i can go with that and i want to mention one oh, last there's many thing more about things, this movie yes. before we well i want to mention one more thing before we jump into the grading and that is michael john pollard as the rat oh for that brief <laughs> moment yeah yeah for the three minutes he's in this, this movie, movie has good character actors. Actually, this whole movie <laughs> is really just is character nice. actors. <laughs> good cast, minus the love interest. It's she like, was just bland. oh, it's a bad movie. She would have been better as a villain. I'm just saying. Watching. <laughs> yeah. So I guess Eric, let's start with you. If you had to grade this one, what you do? What do you think? Um. You know, I'm going to actually go pretty high on this. I enjoyed this in a way that um, I enjoy things. Like, it's maybe not quite as good as something like Hell Comes to Frogtown, but it's just that crazy. Like, it's got all this stuff going on that not all of it gels perfectly here, but um, it's always, it's never going to be boring. It's always going to keep your interest, and you're always, it's always going to keep giving you those, like, what-the-fuck moments that good B-movies do. Um, I think it was actually pretty fantastic. It was stupid, but... Uh, just from an entertainment level, I, I I don't know. I liked it a lot. I think it was just a cool movie. Had a good pace to it. Um, it's totally like batshit sci-fi cop, Satan, Venom, you know, whatever. But uh, monster movie. <laughs> Who knows? Like you could you could check so many boxes on this thing, and I think that's what makes it entertaining. Does it always work? No, it's not a perfect movie, but I think it's it's a highly entertaining um, kind of cult movie. So. Um, I think I'm going to go with a B minus just because there are some, you know, some things that just don't work here too, but entertainment value is, is there. So it's going to stay in the B range for me. Awesome. Uh, Ryan, a great in any final yes. thoughts. Uh, so I am going to take this, my moment to hijack, to talk about two other topics that, that, that play into this, but I do want to bring up as final thoughts. Um, so bear with me. Uh, it's, First off, I want to talk about the half-flooded city. Um, <laughs> my main disappointment, which, which first off, just so it's described to everybody, everything is just like a foot deep in water. And it's just yeah. the shittiest brown water. But somehow people fall in it and instantly I'm thinking like, oh, that's the most deadliest fucking creature in this whole fucking movie is that fucking water. Because that is stale. That is definitely sewage. That's that's, that's septic. septic. There's no fucking doubt about <laughs> it. Like, and people are falling in it and getting up and then still sitting in the car. I'm like, no, you fucking in the age of Corona, you fucking just bathe in Purell. Like now, like <laughs> this is fucking instant. Even without the Corona situation, like, dude, that is some nasty ass water. Like the practical jokes played with it. Um, the fact that, like, I will say, they have their fucking 
water damage mold situation under fucking control despite conditions because if anyone <laughs> me haven't have experienced a fucking house fire uh i joke about it it's okay but half of the like anyone who's ever experienced a house fire knows this where um if anything survives it's not it doesn't survive it doesn't survive water damage from the initial putting out the fire like everything just gets moldy instantly like instantly not even like maybe the day of you just like impressed by how like damn nature you're quick this yeah. movie there's none of that i'm like that's bullshit but like <laughs> maybe you guys got that much under control um and, but i will say this i was disappointed by the lack of duck boats uh by use in the law enforcement because if duck boats we're from well i'm from wisconsin <laughs> yeah. we're from some of us are from wisconsin wisconsin dow duck boat tours I'm from close to wisconsin so well, you have the coolest fucking vehicle ever designed used in military purposes after the fucking war is done like what else do we do with them tour boat boats and i'm sitting here going here's another second life for duck boats and what are they driving fucking jeeps and a foot of <laughs> Well, there's some airboats. They do some inflatable airboats. Yeah, yeah, which is okay, but mainly Jeeps is the main fucking vehicle. But if the water's only like a foot deep. But I'm saying, imagine scenes where it's only a foot deep, and then you hit a neighborhood that is legitimately becomes Venice. Then you you. Well, I said that when when we remake this as a. I'm saying scene. when we remake this, we're gonna have a chase scene that's like on on like foot deep land water. So you got you know hydroplane. <laughs> Every realistic danger, then enters a fucking canal that's still a fucking street you know we're gonna pr- premium product um and then my second yeah. point i was gonna mention uh and it still was set we i wish we talked about set design because i was fucking set that was my ma- majority of my notes i was two-thirds of my notes um stone's apartment i fucking hate it's actually the most de- i find it the more more deadly than the fucking creature itself <laughs> like i think it's an apartment that is like meant to be a uti storehouse like you know it smells like stale cigarettes and even staler piss yeah, yeah like everybody has that one poor friend from a poor family where we all know who we're talking about where that fucking apartment exists yeah well, that's that's his that fucking apartment like gross and she fucking to it. I I yeah but really she the whole movie is very scary. But this motherfucker, the, the only thing the main character, the, the female interest does is bathe. In that apartment, no that's less. That's true. She bathes like three times. Yeah. That's a, her whole existence is in his dirty ass apartment bathtub, which does have ashtrays, like multiple, on the fucking like edge of the tub. Oh, the scene where he's smoking while brushing and his teeth? And then winches out his mouth with coffee that's... and then spits it out in a bathroom. That's who we're dealing yeah. with. Like, I'm not lying when I say, like, it's Tetanus City heaven. He has fucking Harley Davidson awesome. motors literally everywhere. It's a footrest. I'm not joking. It's a fucking footrest. His apartment is the scariest fucking thing I've ever fucking seen. And this woman chooses to bathe in it. Not once, but twice. She feels clean and safe. I'm like, bullshit. You smell like cat piss. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to get to my review. My grade. <laughs> so long, long way out. Um... That being said, I still stand by my argument. I think that this movie wasn't marketed well. I would say after uh, talking to you guys, it greatly increased the grade. Like, I was giving this pretty much a C, a dead middle C. I'm like, this isn't that interesting. But talking to you guys, talking about the buddy cop aspect of it, some of the cool setups that they should have gone, uh, because those were their strengths, and I wish they developed more into them. Talking about that, thinking about that with you guys, I give this a B-. minus. 
Nice. Long-winded, awesome. but I got there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, again, it's it as I mentioned before, it's always kind of risky when you go back to a movie that... And again, I think when I saw this in 97, I'm guessing it was 97, I think it was the summer between, like, freshman, sophomore year high school. Um, I think I only saw it once, but it left a good impression. I liked it. Um, but I just... Not enough to go out and watch it a million other yeah. times. Um, so... But I really think after re-watching it now, revisiting it all these years later, I see the flaws in it that are very blatant. They're definitely there. This isn't a well-made movie. This isn't a good... I mean, the fact that my wife fell asleep, I totally get it. And she was like, I'm up. And she's like 10 minutes in, out. I get it. It is boring in parts. It drags in some parts. But even the parts that drag work. Um, the performances are, are good. It, it, I don't think it's trying to be self-aware making fun of a genre like a lot of movies of this style do today. But it doesn't take itself so seriously. It takes itself, I feel, just the right amount of seriousness to come on, to pull it off. Creature design is pretty lackluster and pointless. I mean, the fact that you even have a creature is kind of pointless. <laughs> but it works in, in the kind of batshit way that movies in 1992 did. So... I'm I'm right there with you guys. I think this is kind of interesting. I'm I'm also at a B minus with it. Um, so it's pretty much B minus across <laughs> yeah. the board. This is a movie that should not be as good as it is because yeah. it's not, but it yeah. is. And it's it's I, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but it's cool. I think it has a lot of versatility. I would love to see this one updated yeah. and remade. It's a B minus movie. Relaunch. It's very much a B minus movie. We got B movies. This is a B minus movie. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it's. Uh... But if you're one of the few people out there who have seen Split Second with Rucker Hauer, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. Because again, I don't know a lot of people that have seen this one, and even that Den of Geek article was like most people probably haven't seen this. So if you are one of the people that's seen Split Second, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Please send us a message on Facebook. You can find us at the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook page or the Facebook group. You can find us at Twitter at Video Junk Pod or. Uh, email us at videojunkyearpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms, whether they pertain to Split Second or anything else uh, yeah. about the show. And if you're one of those few uh, listeners who aren't, aren't even listeners of the podcast, why not listen to Joe? <laughs> and if you're one of those <laughs> yeah. listeners that hasn't seen Split Second, it is free streaming on Tubi TV, um, which we've been selecting most of our movies from, all of our movies from, in fact, um, since this uh, pandemic quarantine situation has started, and I don't see a, us probably changing that. We've been having a lot of fun with Tubi, and um, yeah, so go check it out. It's uh, it's free, so you don't have any excuse not to watch Split Second. Um, coming up next week on the podcast will be another movie we're going to select from Tubi, and um, don't know what that is yet, but we will let you know. Uh, we usually put out the Monday before the um, episode airs. We'll put out a coming soon on the podcast, and let you know what that's going to be. So. Yeah. so, we want to thank you once again for checking out the Video Junkyard podcast and hope you've enjoyed our discussion of 1992's Split Second. And we hope that you turn in next week to whatever may come. So until then, thanks again for listening. This is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric O'Branson. Uh, and I'm Ryan Seiskels, uh saying... You're both fucking nuts! <laughs> what am I supposed to do?
put out an APB on some fucking guy who, who looks like the devil, answers to the name of Lucifer. Yeah, and you. I suppose he's got two fucking horns sticking out of his head. Yeah, long fucking tail. Fuck out of the way, you have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>